It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to the Be The People Show. We are going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And we look across America and we see so much violence and protests. And a lot of us wonder, like, what's taking place? And those of us who have read our Bible, we wonder sometimes about the demonic elements that could be behind all of this. Joining me today to make sense of the chaos of our times is a friend of the show, Pastor Bobby Harrington. Now, Bobby was here a few months ago, and we talked about the decline in church attendance. And Bobby, uh, Pastor Harrington, is the lead pastor of Harpeth Christian Church in Franklin, Tennessee, and he is also uh, actively involved in a founder of the National Coalition of Discipleship, where you can find it at discipleship.org, and he's part of renew.org. Today we're talking about spiritual warfare. So Pastor uh, Harrington or Bobby, welcome back to the Be The People Show. Great to be with you, Carol. I enjoy being with you and really grateful for this conversation. So could you tell our listeners and viewers, you know, what you believe is behind the heated uh, debates, the violence, the anarchy, the attempts to burn down our cities and towns? Yeah. Well, um, let me just begin by giving everybody an analogy that I think might be easy for people to say, yeah, that makes sense. Because those of us who believe in Scripture, um, we're introduced in Scripture to a way of looking at things that happen in the physical world are often caused by spiritual realities behind the scenes. So here's my analogy. If we were to look at Nazi Germany in World War II, especially leading up to uh, World War II with the rise of Hitler and the Nazi Party, and we were to look at what they did, we would say, well, there was a lot of evil there. Six million Jews were killed. They basically started or responsible for starting World War II and all the damage that was done. And Hitler himself, in many ways, was the personification of evil. And so if I were to say that Satan was behind Hitler and the Nazis and what they did, I think a lot of people wouldn't find that to be a big stretch. Where it becomes more difficult is when we start talking about literally a whole nation of some 50 plus million people would have been influenced by demonic forces uh, in terms of what they believed and what they practiced. Well, when you look at countries and when you look at the United States today, it's not a far stretch for those of us who believe in Scripture and what Scripture teaches to think that a lot of this unrest is reflective of spiritual battles going on behind the scenes. And Pastor Bobby, I think the... um operative word is those of us who believe, because if you're an atheist or secular humanist or materialist, you're not going to believe that uh, 
anything spiritual or demonic uh, is behind the things that are taking place today? Yeah, it's, it's actually quite an interesting question, and, and you're absolutely correct. A secular worldview uh, doesn't hold to these things, and so you and I, as people of faith, come at it from a different vantage point. You know what's interesting about that, though, Carol, is a lot of people still believe in evil, and um, it's hard to believe in evil without believing in somebody who inspires evil, which would be Satan. Right. So uh, the atheism of a lot of people is actually pressed when you press into things that are evil, like what Hitler did, we were, as we were just describing. Well, in America, we have always thought of ourselves as a good country of people that were uh, compassionate, loving, we've cared about the whole world, but we see so much evil taking place in America. What do you think? Well, we have already alluded to it, but uh, what is happening in the United States of America? Because we have a constitution, we're supposed to be based on the rule of law, and yet that seems to be failing us right now. Yeah. So let's just jump right to it. In, in the United States, uh, there were certain belief systems that were established in the early days. Uh, I'm not going to say that all of them were established by godly forces because, uh, as you and I know, there were a lot of ungodly forces at work as well. But uh, both you and I would hold to the belief that there's a lot of godliness and goodness there in the founding principles of the United States. The Bible teaches us that how people think and believe which is ultimately that which is behind our laws, it's behind the Constitution, it's behind the practices uh, that we uphold. The Bible teaches that what we believe about life, about God, about the purposes of life, and about morality is actually established by spiritual principles. So if I can, for your audience, I'm just going to mention a passage and just want to describe it, and then we can back out of it and talk about how it applies to the conflicts that we're seeing even around the Supreme Court or the riots and uh, protests and that kind of thing. It's, there's a passage in the Bible. It's from a book called Second Corinthians. It's chapter 10, verse 5, and uh, verse 4 and 5. And it talks about spiritual warfare. And it literally says that it takes divine power from God to demolish uh, established ways that people think, what, what they call strongholds. And so one of the things that happens uh, when we come to know about Jesus and believe in him is that there's spiritual forces that are giving ground so that we can believe in Jesus. Here's what uh, the passage literally says, that one of the things that happens with good Christian leaders is they help to take captive the thinking of every person so that they think the right way and they think the ways of Christ. So behind spiritual warfare, or really revealing spiritual warfare, uh, it's going to be belief systems. And uh, when it's wicked and evil demonic forces, those belief systems are going to lead to the things that the Bible says Satan does, which is rob, kill, and destroy, create conflict, create uh, uh, resentment and, and bitterness and sexual immorality, and all of these things, when they flourish, they're flourishing because there's spiritual forces behind it. Now, I don't have that scripture in front of me, 
And am I recalling it correctly that it tells us to take, uh, uh, that, that we're supposed to? Yeah, it literally says, and I was talking, this is a church leader, the Apostle Paul, writing to uh, Christians in the ancient city of uh, Corinth. And he says, we, so he would be talking about himself as a leader, but also the believers in that church, we demolish arguments and every pretension, ways of thinking, that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. So one of the things that you mentioned this earlier, I'm a big discipleship guy, is discipleship is so much discipleship of the mind. Right. How do we think and believe about God, life, and morality uh, according to the ways of Jesus? Well, there's so many scriptures or, or, uh, you know, as a man think of, so is he. That is a scripture. Is that one of those? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's in the book of Proverbs. <laughs> right. And so we do know that our thoughts are important. And uh, I talk about it too. When I when people ask me, how did you come out of poverty? How come, you know, you started where you did and you ended up where you are? And I think that it has a lot to do with what I believed about the world. And the... That's exactly right. Evil forces seem to have an advantage because there are so many Americans, and even in the Christian world sometimes, that they just sort of reject any idea of, um, of, of demonic forces that could be uh, affecting them. And especially if they're Christians, there's this whole debate about can demons uh, affect Christians. And I think in my reading of the Bible, and you're the expert, uh, the answer is yes. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't call myself. You want to be careful whenever you call yourself an expert, as you would know that as well as anybody. But certainly I've spent a lot of time and on this, this topic and others, and the answer is yes. In fact, one of the big struggles for Christian people as well as everybody is who's going to influence you? Uh, you know, there's a great story in the Bible. Uh, Peter was talking to Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, I, I got to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be crucified. And uh, P- Peter took him aside, the Bible said, and he said to Jesus, no, you're not. And Jesus said, uh, get behind me, Satan. He literally is saying to Peter, that idea in your mind that I don't have to go to Jerusalem and die on the cross, that's from Satan. And, well, that uh, must have been crushing for Peter. That would have just really crushed me. I would have folded up and been on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What a stark statement, though, because it shows us how uh, – Evil can be influencing our thinking, and we're not even aware of it. And that's why for uh those of us who believe in Jesus, we want to keep coming back to Scripture, and we need people who care about us to help us think rightly. Well, then on a national stage, imagine if uh, Christians just vacate the public square. We don't talk about things. Uh, Then the people who don't have the thinking of Scripture, they're going to take over, and their thinking might be Marxist. It might be versions of, as you and I have talked about, critical race theory. Uh, and, and so these ways of thinking be, start to dominate the public discussions. And, and we see uh, how we think is influenced by spiritual forces. Just, we certainly see with the political left the effort to silence everyone and have people so intimidated that we just stay silent when we hear things that are wrong or we see things take place, many of us are cowering in fear, even though we know that God did not give us a spirit of fear. Yeah, I I think that that's right. I I think what happens is that sometimes we we get really confused, especially when we've been taught, as we all have been for the last 20 years quite strongly, that we want to be non-judgmental people. 
And so we're so afraid of coming across as judgmental or overly critical that for a lot of good people, they're just being quiet. They're being intimidated into silence. And the problem is if you're quiet around evil, your children are watching you or other people's children. And if you're not saying anything, it seems to indicate that you are either in agreement or that your position is not strong enough to defend. Yeah, you know, Carol, I don't know who the statement came from originally, but I really like it. How evil how evil prevails when good people remain silent. Yeah, I, I know the name, but I don't think I can pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, let's take a break. And when we return, we want to talk more about worldviews. Be the People is sponsored by Cooper Steel, a family-owned business that provides the steel fabrications for buildings across the Southeast. Sixty years ago, Kenneth and Faye Cooper founded the company in Chevyville, Tennessee, which started as a vision is now a nationally recognized company that remains true to its founders' Judeo-Christian values and principles. Cooper Steel is committed to excellence, responsibility, and community. Its motto is build strong, stand strong. It treats its employees and customers like family. Learn more at coopersteel.com. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor, old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. But we are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. back with my guest, uh, Pastor Bobby Harrington, and we're talking about spiritual forces, and we have talked a little bit about worldviews. Bobby, which one do you think is dominating American culture at this time, when you look out and you watch the news and you see the political landscape? Yeah, so um, I want to draw your listeners back to a conversation you and I had a month or so ago. And we talked about the big change that's happening in the United States in terms of the number of people who are claiming to be practitioners of Christianity and the number of people who are going to church. And these numbers are dropping pretty dramatically. One of the ones that stands out the most to me is the number of people, according to Barna studies, who claim to be practicing Christians nationally. And that number in 10 years, and this is pre-COVID-19, so from 2010 to the first part of 2020, it dropped from 50% of Americans claiming to be practicing Christians to 25% of Americans. And we know this, since COVID-19, at least a third of people who were uh, either attending church in person or watching it online have stopped doing that. So what we see is a huge societal shift away from uh, values that are called uh, Judeo-Christian values. And you say, well, what are they shifting to? And the best answer to that is it's a mixture, but one of the dominant themes, at least on the left, and it's certainly part of the mainstream media, it's what's taught in schools and HR departments, is more of a Marxist, atheistic worldview. 
Right. And so what we see is a big battle of ideas right now. And a lot of people have naively bought into beliefs that are not grounded in uh, anything related to scripture, but instead atheistic beliefs. And Bobby, uh, I'm going to step out on a limb and say that the coronavirus and the politics behind it, uh, it's been used to sort of reshape our culture and our society. And so when they shut down the churches and people watched online for a while and pastors, you know, a lot of them boasted about how large their numbers online were, I think it was very easy for people to get comfortable to not physically have an address and go to church. And it's almost like the political left always outsmarts the ones that are conservative. And so church attendance, something that the Bible says not for us to forsake the assembling together of ourselves, well, the government says uh, it's not safe for us to assemble together. And so people have gotten into the habit now of staying at home which is deadly to their spiritual health. Yeah. Now, both you and I would agree if somebody's particularly at risk, older people with uh, you know problems, diabetes, and things like that, that they that they need to take care of themselves. But a lot of people to to agree with what you're saying, what's happening is a lot of people are just dropping out, and it's. But there are other things to do. <laughs> uh, what's that? There are other things to do, and you can always tell yourself, "I'll catch it later. I'll, yeah. I'll watch it later online." And see, here's the thing that's really changed. We know that the average person is spending five to seven hours a day in a social media bubble. Yes. So that's going to be Facebook. It's going to be, um, you know, looking at their phone. Uh, and, and the thinking often reflected there, uh, they're, they're, you know, ways of thinking that are not consistent with Scripture. And people don't realize that this whole way of thinking is a, a view of life without God. Carol, I want, I want to read something to you if I can. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was really uh, a very important person in the downfall of the Soviet Union. And he was asked about what happened. Like if you were to point to one core thing that led to the rise of uh, communism as it was in the former Soviet Union, listen to this because I fear it's, it's happening often today. Here's what he said. I have spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution, talking about the Russian and, and right. communist revolution. In the process, I've read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, and I've already contributed eight volumes of my own toward the effort of clearing away the rubble left by that upheaval. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely, concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat. Men have forgotten God. That's why all of this has happened. And I would say the same thing, Carol, that, that what's really happening is that we've forgotten God and his place. It's politically uncool. And because of that, the thinking of atheists, the thinking of people who are just completely secularist without God, and that are actually thoughts that are really influenced by demonic forces, even though they don't know it, they're taking over. They certainly are. And now I'm going to read you a quote, Edmund Burke. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I think that we can extend that to those situations where 
righteous men and women stay silent when they know the truth of God's word because it's easier to stay silent than to engage in a conflict with someone who may or may not agree with you. That's exactly right. That, that's good. I'm glad you found that quote. Yeah, and then, um, so it's pretty dismal, the situation we're in right now in America. Uh, give us, you know, some cause of hope. Uh, what are some practical things that people yeah. can do? <clears throat> yeah, I think the single most important thing that, that uh, people of faith need to be committing themselves to right now, Carol, is praying for the nation. Um, you know, the prayers of a righteous person, the Bible says, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And we have many examples in the Bible of people praying, uh, and, and God does miraculous things, from Daniel to Esther to um, just many stories in the Bible. And in fact, when the Bible describes spiritual warfare, this influence behind the scenes of things, the, the primary injunction in the Bible, if, if your listeners want to look, it's Ephesians 6. It talks about being strong in God and in his power. And it talks about the spiritual battles. And then it goes on and just talks about standing firm and especially committing ourselves to prayer. So well, we I mean, pray a for lot the of people. We I'm pray sorry. that God's power would prevail. I'm sorry about cutting you off. I have a bad habit of doing that. But uh, a lot of the devout believers will know the Ephesians uh, 6, 10 through 19 as the armor of God. Yes. And many of us start our day by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, lifting up the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, the girdle of truth, and the feet shod with the preparation of the good news. And we feel You've like... read that passage before. <laughs> we feel like we are equipped for the day. And uh, in this environment that we're living in as believers... We know that we are targets, and it's important for us to be aware. And one of the things that I've done uh, ever since I first got saved, I don't do it every day, but I used to do it every day, is, you know, Ephesians, not, excuse, excuse me, not Ephesians, uh, Psalm 91, verses mm -hmm. 1 through 16. Uh, and that's a psalm of protection. And you wouldn't need that psalm of protection if we were not in a situation of danger. Yeah. No, I think that's right. You know, <clears throat> let me just, I, I want to shine some hope, at, as you mentioned. Of course, you've got these stories in the Bible. <clears throat> the book of Esther is just a great story about God's providence. Uh, of course, you've got Daniel, uh, and you've got other examples. There's something um, that many of your listeners may find interesting. In World War II, there was a time, and it's actually portrayed, not the prayer part, but it's in the movie The Darkest Hour, where um, the British forces were trapped at Dunkirk, and they were about to be destroyed. And it would have literally changed World War II. The Nazis would have defeated them. It would have been easy to invade uh, England after that. And, uh, of course, Winston Churchill comes into power, and uh, if you see the movie, The Darkest Hour, it'll help portray some of this. Dunkirk portrays from the, the vantage point of the soldiers, the other part of it. But what is not, <clears throat> what is not portrayed, but was really dominant, is the King of England called the British people to fasting and prayer. Yes. And there are these pictures uh, of uh, like Westminster Cathedral, and all the churches were packed. People were literally lining up outside the churches 
to come in and pray. And the whole nation prayed. And literally, uh, the clouds roll in. The Germans cannot bomb all the British soldiers on the beaches. And the British forces prevail. They get everybody home. They regroup. And World War II has a different story. Right. And it was the prayers of the people that turned it around. And I think what we really need right now is the people of God to be in prayer. Be aware, be bold, be courageous, put on the armor of God, but especially that we would be praying that God does a miracle in our midst. And he brings revival to the nation. And we are, you know, famine this directly uh, after Franklin Graham's, um, you know, call to revival in our nation's capital. And many of us do believe that this is a time for us to fast and pray because our nation is facing a crisis like none other. And so we are called to do more than just, you know, vote and go to church. I would say that we're called to vote. Some people might say no, but uh, God holds us accountable for what we do. And we happen to live in a nation where our constitution says that we, the people, we elect the politicians, they enact yeah. the policies on our behalf. So we're responsible yeah. for what we see in the world. Yeah, yeah. When God gives us the opportunity to influence the political direction, how can we not, you know, take that, like we have been given this opportunity and to use it for God's glory is the duty, I would argue, of every follower of Jesus. And uh, we're going to take another break. And when we return, I want you to talk a little bit about uh, God and nations. And and I will give you an opportunity to tell uh, the audience how they can uh, support the work that you're doing. So after this break. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's word with miraculous results? There is such a book. Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, thesowardofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. I'm back with my guest, uh, Bobby Harrington, the senior pastor of Harpeth Christian Church. And I want Bobby to tell you, tell us about um, just what the Bible says about nations. And I know that um, he has thought a lot of, about the book of Revelation. And many of us feel like it's a book that we see unfolding right before our eyes. Yeah, thank you, Carol. One of the things that the Bible does teach is the role that um, Satan can have in influencing governments. Now, before we talk about what the book of Revelation envisions, I just want to say, again, with, with spiritual battles where God's people are praying, where um, the forces of good prevail, there have been great godly leaders. Um, uh, there have been great godly leaders in the United States and Canada and England and other places. In fact, that's one of the things we pray for. We pray that the thinking of godly people would have a big influence. And that's why many people actually go through the difficulties of serving in public office because they look at their serving God and, and a broader cause. But 
on the other hand, we've got to be aware that Satan can also influence governments and leaders. In the book of Revelation, there's a couple of things where it's described really clearly. For example, uh, in Revelation chapter 12, there's a retrospective look back on the time when uh, the King Herod, the Jewish King Herod, tried to kill baby Jesus. And uh, if you know the Bible story, you know that he had all the baby boys in Bethlehem, which was just a village at that time. But he had all the baby boys that were two years and under killed in Bethlehem because he was trying to kill baby Jesus. Well, it's described in Revelation 12 that Satan is actually behind what Herod's doing. Well, Carol, let me just give people a little bit more information on what we're talking about just in terms of the book of Revelation. I would argue that throughout history, uh, governments have been influenced to greater or lesser extent by evil. I do want to acknowledge that there's a strong role that Satan has, according to 1 John, in governments, at least in the first century with uh, the Roman Empire. Well, the book of Revelation envisions a couple of things that are, I think are really important for us as we think of spiritual warfare behind political realities. So let me give you the first one. It's described in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 describes the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, in the Messianic community. And it uses imagery taken from pagan sources as that people uh, living at that time would have well known. These were literally uh, uh, childhood school stories right. mixed with Old Testament stories. And it describes how uh, Herod tried to kill the baby Jesus. And uh, we know because of other places in the Bible that Herod killed all the baby boys in Bethlehem that were under two years of age. Well, in the book of Revelation chapter 12, it literally describes Satan going after Jesus to kill him. Well, it was Herod, but Satan was inspiring King Herod to do what he right. did. And then this is a big deal. In Revelation chapter 13, Revelation 13 is the big chapter often referred to as the Antichrist. And when it's describing this empire, by the way, the, there's three components if you want to understand what the Bible says about this, this evil empire. There's a person who typifies it. There's also an empire, and then there's a false prophet that supports it. And all three of those are described in the Bible as under the inspiration of Satan. So Revelation 13, describing this whole political empire, says the dragon, which is clearly throughout the book of Revelation a reference to Satan, the dragon gave the beast, and the beast is a political entity. It says the dragon or Satan gave the beast, the political entity, his power and his throne and his great authority. So we see that um, when good people recede and evil and, and uh, ways of thinking that don't honor God prevail, it can actually become, and the Bible does describe, I believe at the end, that it will become a political entity that is grounded in the thinking of Satan in opposition to God, and it'll dominate and do tremendous evil so that only Jesus himself at his second coming will destroy. That is so powerful, and it's also a little bit frightening when we look at where the U.S. is today. And so I know that there's been a lot here for 
the audience to digest. And uh, Bobby, I hope you'll come back and unpack more of that uh, in a future show. And I want to thank you so much for being on the Be The People, a podcast and radio show. Carol, it's been great to be with you. God bless you. Keep doing the good work you're doing.